The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's look at John chapter number 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth a stone taken away from the sepulcher. John 20, verse number 2. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher, so they ran both together and the other disciple, that being John, did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher, and exactly how Simon Peter does things, he just barges right past, right, and seeth the linen clothes uh, lie. Now, how many of you say, I'd be like John? All right, how many of you say, I'd be like Peter? Yeah, and some of you, it goes right along with personality, right? And he just barges right in, I got to see this thing. And the napkin that was about his, Jesus' head, uh, not lying with, uh, uh, with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw, and read that la- of those last two words with me, and believed. For as yet, They knew not the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. How many you say, I'd be with Mary. I'd be with Mary. And she wept and stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away, now notice not the Lord, my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him, Sir, if thou uh, have borne him hence, if you have taken him away, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. I can't can't imagine that. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended unto my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father. Notice that Jesus claims her into the family. And to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And that he had spoken these things unto her. Would you be seated and bow with me in prayer this morning? And would you ask the Lord to warm your heart with his truth here in this story he gave us? Would you pray a moment there in your seat and ask God to speak to you this morning?
Our Father, this morning, the presence of Jesus is very sweet. And Lord, I thank you for loving us and giving us your Holy Spirit. By your Spirit, allowing us to have witness within our spirit with one another and with you. And to be able to meet with you today. Lord, the story that you gave us is really precious. And Lord, I, I don't doubt that everyone in this room in the deepest longing of their heart desires to meet with you and to know that you're real in their life and in their situations. And I pray that you would work in our, in our assembly today in a special way. Lord, we ask that you would not let any one be exalted but yourself. And Lord, we do rejoice in our wonderful and risen Savior, and uh, it's overwhelming to think of your love and your care, your mercy, uh, your compassion, and that you show up in, in ordinary people's lives, like ours, and you make all the difference in the world. And so what I'm asking you today to show up in each, each life here and make a difference Lord, I, I, I know there's some that need to come to you, and I pray for them, and I pray that they would come to you today in salvation. Lord, warm their hearts, draw them with your love, and I pray for others that are going through trials, and Lord, they don't know where to turn. And I pray that you'd help them too. Lord, would you just meet with us today? Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You say, Pastor, why are you emotional? I, I don't know. I've been sitting on this thing, and, and I also feel like the Lord's been working in our church, and, and I've gotten to have some front row seat to some of that, and frankly, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed by what he's doing. So if you'll forgive me. You know, why in the world the Lord works in our lives at any time is amazing. You know, I think about Brother Morris's story, and I think about, you know, him asking the question, why does God choose me? You know, people look on your life, and, and they realize, you know, this is why God's chosen you. He's using you. I mean, we, don't, we don't often get to see that. But God is just amazing, isn't he? He really is. Last week, when we met together for, the, uh, for Easter Sunday, God, God just pulling the church together and encouraging one another with our, our love for one another. You're loving each other. You're serving each other. You're looking out for each other's needs and see some folks come to the Lord Jesus Christ and see some folks follow the Lord and identify with them in baptism. And those are highlights, right? But God's working in ordinary people's lives throughout the, throughout the week, helping them to, to have steps of victory and measures of victory and helping them to see some things get solved in their life, and what, just what a blessing uh, our God is, and so we praise the Lord for that, and I come to a story like this, and I think of an ordinary woman like Mary, and just realize Mary was at the end of her, she was at the end of it. I mean, you think about, you think about what was going on there in Jerusalem, everyone hated Jesus. I mean, we can kind of start to feel some of that, even in our world today, it seems like everyone has to bash Jesus. Don't you know it? They take his name in vain, they, they speak down about him, and they speak down about his followers. And you can imagine that, you know, in the, in the shadow of the cross there in Jerusalem, it wasn't a pleasant, it wasn't a pleasant place to be. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a popular time to be following Jesus Christ. It's never been a popular, popular time to follow Jesus Christ, but it wasn't then. You, you said you're a Christ follower. In fact, you think about Peter, he didn't want to even identify. I mean, just let's be real, we probably would have done the same thing sitting around that fire. But Mary is an individual who had been following Jesus step by step. She was from a small town on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Magdala, and she had been delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you remember the story back in the book of Luke, she had been delivered from seven, from the possession of seven demons. Seven demons had possession over her. Some of you say, 
uh, there's a demon that has possession over my child, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they just don't act right. Uh, no, she legitimately had seven demons having possession of her. We call it being demon-possessed, but really the, the right way to think of it is she was in bondage to seven demons. And Jesus had showed up in her life in Luke 8 and verse number 2 and had delivered her as only Jesus could. As only Jesus could. By the way, Jesus is still the answer to every bondage that we face today. And you know what? When we, we don't in America think oftentimes about demon possession, but you know some of the addictions that people face is nothing more than Satan having bondage over a person's life. And there is possession by those things. And what, what an amazing uh, thing that that is to observe. And so here's this lady that has been saved. She's been rescued, legitimately rescued from seven demons. And her, her change in her life, the, the, the difference in her life is so amazing that all four of the writers of the gospel, under inspiration uh, from, from God, put Mary Magdalene into the gospel stories. Even John puts her into the gospel stories. And in all four of the gospels, we find that Mary is at all the crucial points in Jesus' life, specifically at the cross and at the tomb. She was a notable woman. She was not someone that just served Jesus in the, in the shadows. She was so notable that she rose to the top in all four of the gospels as being right there by Jesus' side, following him day in and day out. Mark 4, uh, 15 and verse number 40. And there uh, were also looking afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus, or the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and Salome. And so right there in the shadow of the cross as Jesus is being crucified, Mary Magdalene with some other women are, are putting their eyes on this scene of Calvary, looking afar off, watching their Savior die. By the way, while the disciples were hiding. And that's not a slam. We might have done that too. I'm just saying, here was a woman Jesus was exceptionally precious to this woman. So precious that she was one of the first ones to ever receive the news of the resurrected Lord. How does that make you feel, ladies? Do you know something in our world? There's so much, you know, we, we have race division and gender division and all this stuff. Do you know what? Jesus values women. Hello, ladies. Are you here this morning? Do you, know, do you know who he tasked with giving the news to his disciples? Mary Magdalene. Don't think Jesus can't use you. Don't think Jesus can't use you in your home or your workplace or wherever you are. That's precious. But we're going to walk through this because we, we start here at really a moment of absolute despair. She's not at a high moment here. You know, they have heard Jesus over and over say, I'm going to rise again from the dead. But let's be honest, they didn't catch it. We probably wouldn't catch it. They didn't catch it at that, that point, all that that meant. And she's at a point of despair in verses 1 through 11. We see the pain of the complete loss that she was experiencing as a follower of Jesus Christ. And she doesn't know where Jesus is. She, she knows he had been placed in a tomb. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. And she is at a point of complete loss. Notice there in verse number one. Look at it with me. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, what? At what time? Early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. She was the first on the scene that morning. She is there. She's seen all this go on. And you know, we think about the visiting of a, of a grave. You know, perhaps you visited a grave, maybe around Memorial Day or maybe around a birthday of a, of a loved one. Perhaps you visited a grave and you went there to find a, a, a time of connection with that person. No, you know you can't talk to them. They can't hear you uh, in that, that sense. But you've gone there for a point of connection. I, I need to go visit the grave. This is a, a place where I need to go. It's a, it's a place where I can think. I can, I can remember some things. It's quiet there oftentimes. It's a place where I can talk out my heart and just share what I am thinking. It's a place 
that gives some comfort. I need to go back there. And perhaps even this morning, there are some of you who have lost some loved ones and you need to go back to a grave site and need to spend some time there and, and get some closure and get some, uh, get some time there. But see, think about Mary. She's just simply going back to the tomb. It's a place that she is drawn to, she's driven to, because there's, there's loss in her heart. It was still dark outside. No doubt she was sleepless. There was no melatonin to be taken. She, uh, she was sleepless that night, and she is up early in the morning. She's stirring early, and she is there without the help of streetlights. She is there while it's still dark. But around this tomb, there's tension. The Pharisees had gone to Pilate and said, listen, we hear that they're talking about stealing this body. And uh, we want you to place guards around it. Pilate is so tired of this whole, sh all the shenanigans that was going on with the religious leaders. I mean, hypocrites. By the way, the world sees through all the hypocrisy of the religious. They really do. And he says, fine, you know, we'll seal the tomb. I'll put my seal on it. Put your guards. In fact, you have guards. Use them. So they're around. And so you can imagine as Mary got there that morning and saw the stone rolled away, it's a little bit jolting because she had heard this has been sealed and there's guards here. And why is the tomb open? What has happened? She didn't have the Bible to read. And we find in Matthew 27, why don't you turn over there with me for a second. Matthew chapter number 27. Seven. In verse number 62, now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver, did you notice that? That that deceiver, slogans against Jesus Christ have always been around. They really have. So people call Jesus Christ names, and they call them names in that day. That deceiver said, while well, he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He has risen from the dead, so that the last heir shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, you have guards, go your way and make sure, as sure as ye can. And so they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch, setting guards around it. And so she comes, and they're not there. It's open. Imagine your shock. Lost drove Mary to this place, yet in coming there, she only found more uncertainty. Where is the Lord? And so she runs out, and she goes, find who? Peter and John, come see, the tomb is empty right now, the, 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 the door is open, the, the stone is rolled away, the stone is taken away, and there is only more uncertainty, and perhaps you can identify with the uncertainty and the loss that she's feeling, maybe the loss of a loved one, you thought you'd never lose, or they, they, they were lost too early, maybe it's a loss of your own health, you thought, I'm always going to be healthy, but I don't have health anymore, it seems like it just crept up on me. The loss of a job that you thought was secure and your identity is lost. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. And you know how that just shatters everything inside of you. Maybe you can sense that loss, that uncertainty. Where do I go from here? Well, Mary's at this point, except it was her beloved Savior that she is missing. It's lost. Now, notice here in verse number 8 and, uh, through 11, Peter and John come and there's a little bit of a glimmer of, of hope as there is a realization of Christ's promises, this is really special how God puts this in here like this. Because that other disciple, John, he refers to him that way, a very humble way of referring to himself. So he either refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. And don't you like referring to yourself as the one that Jesus loved? Come on now. Isn't that precious? That's not arrogant on our part. The acknowledgement that Jesus loves me is just, it's absolutely humbling. And so here he is, this, this other disciple, he, uh, he goes first to the sepulcher, he's looking from the, uh, the inside out, but when he saw, what happens? Come on. When he saw, what happens? He believed. Now the next verse tells us they didn't fully understand all the scriptures, but the very word believe here is to trust Jesus, to trust in him as contained in the gospel. So you understand here that, that John had a light bulb moment 
Maybe um, Matthew 16, 21 came back to mind, but John had a light bulb moment, and he walks away from the tomb and goes back to his own house. Who is back at his house, friends? Who did Jesus commit into his care? His mother. I don't know what that moment must have been like. I just was at the tomb, and he isn't there. He isn't there. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how Mary's heart must have leaped? And maybe we can talk to her in heaven about that and get the scoop on that. But the Bible says that in verse number, in verse number uh, 9, for as yet, until this point, they did not know the scriptures, or they didn't experience the scriptures. We understand it. They hadn't lived through it. The word know there is to experience, to, to have knowledge by experience. So they had not yet experienced what God had said. Did then. He saw. He believed. So they go back home. Then the other disciples went their way in verse number 10. Oh, I'd love to have been there when they went back. But do you know something? Despair is cut short by belief in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember our first message of this year? Why do you fear? Why are you so full of anxiety? Why are you full of depression and worry? Ultimately, because we fail to take Jesus at his word. Why did they... Why were they locked in, in closed doors while he was in the grave? Because they had failed to take Jesus at his word. And we can understand that. We can put ourselves in that situation. We aren't giving them a black eye about that. We do the same thing over and over and over again. But the, still the lesson is we fail to take Jesus at his word and we walk forward in despair and, and fear and all sorts of issues in our life. And friends, do we not understand? that if we would simply believe his word, our despair would be cut short. Oh, boy, what a picture. They go back to their house, to their own homes. To their own homes they went back. But look at verse 11. Well, they leave who sits standing, uh, who sit on, continues to stand at the tomb. Mary is there, but Mary, here's a change, but Mary in contrast to John, but Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. There's no joy here. Now, John, frankly, hadn't seen Jesus yet. The Bible says he, he believed. He hadn't yet experienced the, the scriptures, but he, he, he had believed. But here, Mary stands weeping, and perhaps you can identify with her. Boy, it's hard to believe. I, I haven't been able to put my eyes on it. And notice the numbness of her deep grief. She stands there almost paralyzed in her despair. She's weeping. This word weeping isn't like she just, you know, shed a tear. This word weeping is she was, she was bawling, ladies. Can you identify with that? She's, she is uncontrollably sobbing. She's crying. She's having herself a good cry there at the graveside. She's weeping profusely, and it's going on, and in her deep grief, notice in verse number 12 what God does, what God puts right in her path. And you say, well, God's not interested in my despair and my grief. Yes, he is. Look at verse number 12. And seeth two angels sitting in white. What are angels? Now, people can get all mystical right here, but what does the Bible tell us angels are? They're ministering spirits, serving spirits that God uses to give a message over and over through Scripture. He brought them into people's lives to bring a message. I'm thankful for the Word of God, and it's complete today. But you know what? The Bible still says that we're to, uh, we're to take care to entertain strangers because sometimes you entertain an angel unaware. And so God still uses them even today. Now, we're not to get all sidetracked and mystical on this, but here they are. There's two angels sitting there, clothed in white, and they're sitting there. And you notice, she isn't shocked. Almost every other time an angel shows up on the, screen, uh, on the scene, there is great fear and there's, there's, there's startling that's going on. But I'll tell you what, she's in deep grief. In fact, I, I go to a, 
one author who says it this way, she's neither startled nor does she address them. Only one explanation has been found for this apparent riddle. Mary has so completely given her heart to one thought and to deep grief, it brought that all of their impressions fail to register in her mind. She isn't even startled by the angels. Another man put it this way, no man so brave-hearted, but what he would be terrified if unexpectedly he should um, behold an angel. And she, even a woman, this happens to, and there's no fear, yet she moves about so that she neither sees nor hears nor inquires about anything, so completely her heart is elsewhere. Where's my Lord? Where's my Lord? What have they done with him? I love him. Where is he? And I want to remind us of this moment that even in our deepest grief, God shows up in that moment. And he sends us reminders and tokens of his presence and of his working. And what did those angels ask her? Why are you weeping? And they didn't. They didn't chastise her for it. They simply asked a question. Why are you weeping? It's the same question we started out at the beginning of the year. Why do you fear? Don't you know what Jesus already said? Why are you weeping? And so this question is asked, and God is showing up right in that moment. She doesn't see it. Her heart is so intent on what is going on. And notice Mary's despair led to a frantic search for, question, um, for the answers to her questions. Notice in verse 13, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Why are you weeping? And she's looking for these answers. And you know what, frankly, there's many times in the midst of despair that we want answers too. Uh, sometimes the answers that we want are different than the answers that we need. Right? They are. Notice in verse number 13, some assumptions were made. When they asked her this question, why weepest thou? She said, because they have taken. They have taken, my Lord. And I know not where they have laid them. Who is they? You know we often use that. They're all against me. Who's they? You know, often Satan gets right up inside of that they. And it really works havoc in our life, doesn't he? They're all against me. Well, who specifically? Well, it's, it's actually just one person. Well, it's not they then, right? They. And who is this they? She's making some assumptions about the events. And we do the same thing in despair. We start making assumptions about the events, about what's going on, what God is allowing in our lives. And God's servants uh, lead Mary in engaging her with a question, why are you weeping? And she responds with, they, this is the problem, this is what's going on, they have taken my Lord. And Mary concluded that the body of Christ had been stolen. Now, we said a moment ago that there were some in Jerusalem that had started that rumor. Who were they? All right, uh, if they, I imagine they had a news network. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But regardless, they, rumors started. But if you'll notice right here, this rumor was begun, or this, this allegation was begun by the unbelieving religious leaders, the unbelieving Pharisees. And you know something? Multitudes of us as believers exist in despair because we buy into the rumors of the unbelieving. We listen to the news over and over, and you say, well, it's conservative news. And you still buy into the rumors of the unbelieving who said, we're too far gone for God to do anything. We're too far gone for God to build his church in this day. You can't build, you can't raise a godly family in this day. We're too far gone. There's too many influences, and we buy into the rumors of the unbelieving, and we live our lives in despair and anxiety. You say, oh, I just listen to Sean Hannity, or I listen to Dan Bongino, or Newsmax, or Breitbart. You know, they are not God's messengers to you. They are not setting the agenda for your life. I understand you can get some good news out there, but do you realize that these folks are not God's gospel messengers to you? 
He's already given his message to you. And when we believe it and when we uh, live our lives based upon it, we will stop the fear and despair. But oftentimes we, we buy into the rumors of the unbelieving. And you know what? America is fraught with that right now. Christians all over who have more concern about what's going on in Washington than the person across the street. As I came in this morning, I hope you won't mind, Derek. I'm going to use you as an illustration. Before most everyone had gathered, Derek was standing on the front porch. And just, he had just arrived, and he's standing out there, and he's just looking like this. I said, Derek, come on in. Get a, get a warm cup of coffee. Warm up. He had some rain on. Warm up. And I said, what, are you doing all right? He goes, I was just looking at all these houses. All these people that don't know, don't know Jesus. He goes, it's all over the city. That's a right perspective. That's a right perspective. But you know where our perspective is? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I have to, you know, do I have to deal with all these restrictions? Do I, you know what I'm saying? There, there's where our perspective is. And we buy into the rumors of unbelieving and we stay there and we, do, we get all down in despair, all down in the dumps when God is still working. God is working in our church. It's far more precious than what's going on in Washington. And so she's buying into the rumors of the unbelieving. You know the rumors of the unbelieving? Tell you can't be freed from addiction. There are no doubt there are folks here that are addicted to something. And it happens within the privacy of your life. And you say, I can't be free. And you've heard some foolish Christian say something along these lines, if you ever get into porn, you can't get out. And so you live there. You exist there. And maybe it's another addiction, but you exist there. You know, sin always thrives and grows in the shadows. It always thrives and grows in secrecy. And as long as you just stay there, hey, there isn't help, but if you'll come, uh, if you'll come there, there's help, there's mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's, there's forgiveness, and there is victory in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus to bring you past any addiction. And well, the unbelieving might say, and well, those that don't, don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ say, well, it's final, you've gone too far. Listen, there's never too far as long as you have breath in your lungs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Never can't raise godly children in this generation. Listen, uh, you know that, that, that in Rome it wasn't really good? You know where Timothy was raised in the city of Lystra? It wasn't really good. That city so hated the gospel message, they stoned Paul right in the streets. And beyond that, Timothy did not have a believing dad. You say, well, I don't, I, I, our home situation isn't really great. You know, Timothy didn't have a great home situation. You know what he had? A mom and a grandmom. And that from a child, Timothy, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And you know why Timothy turned out? Some people believed God in the midst of a perverted city, in the midst of a perverse generation, and said, I'm just going to keep putting in the Word of God and putting in the Word of God. You know, the best thing that you can help your kids with in this generation to turn off for God is keep them in the local church, keep the Bible open in your homes, keep them uh, being filled with the Word of God over and over. Timothy turned out. Yeah, he did. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a whole lot of believers today that we walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And you know what? That can come in the way of conservative news. So, well, they're conservatives, aren't they safe? Listen, don't you still believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life? Hello, do you still believe that? Just because someone has a conservative political perspective does not mean that they're a believer. And does not mean that you should take their words as gospel truth. Some are getting led astray by this. And your whole world perspective is unbiblical because you've been led astray by a conservative unbeliever. Is this where we're living? So here's Mary. They have taken him. And she makes assumptions that were not true. 
And so I want to just encourage you this morning that if you're going to come out of the despair, there has to be a, a changing, there has to be a perspective from God's word. And Mary was missing that right now. And we don't, we don't hold that against her, but it's the reality. But notice what that leads to in verse 14. She says to Jesus, as she turns back, sees him standing, she doesn't know who he is. Verse 15, woman, why weepest thou? There the question is again, whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be a gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, if you're the one who stole his body, tell me where you laid him. Now this is the second time God has allowed this question to be asked to Mary. And you know, I think we still need to be asked over and over, why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of anxiety? Well, I went to my doctor and my doctor said this. Listen, if your doctor is not counseling from a biblical perspective, you're getting bad counsel. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm going to hasten to say something, there are physiological things that do creep up, but you better be getting a biblical perspective. Why is this so quiet in here? Is that earth-shattering or what? Like why, why is that? We are to live our lives by the Bible. And yes, there are physiological things, and there's some things that get out of whack in our lives. How many of you understand that, that whole thing? All right. There, I, I, so I'm not saying just, you know, throw it all off. There are physiological things that do get off. But listen, if, if someone is, is counseling you, and they're counseling, oh, it's all just about your environment, and it's all about, think positively, and, you know, there is a real need to get back to the Word of God. And you know, he has answers to our anxiety. Why, Mary, are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And so here's the amazing thing. With Jesus standing right in front of her, she cannot see Jesus. We can get to a, such a deep point in our despair that we can't see God if he's standing right in front of us and showing up in our lives. How many of you have been around a person who is severely depressed and they can say nothing they're grateful for? And God is working in their lives and he's being gracious and he's being merciful and showing up in their lives. I don't see him. What's he doing for me? Don't we get there? Don't we get there? Are you with me? Yeah, I've been there. Nothing's good. No one's wanting to serve God. It sounds like an old prophet. I'm the only one that is standing for God. Everyone is against God. No, actually, there's 7,000 that you don't know about that are still not bowing their knee to Baal and to the world system, and they're still following me and preaching for me and following after me. Wow. She didn't see Jesus. She's supposed to be a gardener, and what does she tell Jesus? You know that's a command there? She actually issues Jesus a command. Now, let's be real honest. How many of you have ever issued God a command? How did that work out? Change this situation, and I'll be happy. Uh, It usually doesn't work out so well. She commands them, and often we have strong opinions about what needs to happen in order for us to be released from our despair. And she tells Jesus, supposing him to be a gardener, tells him, you know, I've counseled people in depression. And I've noted that oftentimes they can produce a laundry list of the things that need to change around them in order for them to find happiness. And a lot like a Mary, tell me where you've put them. And then it'll all be all right. In our despair, we may not get the answers we want, but I want to quickly get to the fact in verses 16 through 18, we can always find the person we need. And that being the person of the Lord Jesus Christ because he shows up in a beautiful and merciful way. Honestly, I don't think that, I don't think anything against Mary. I just, I'm looking at her life and I see this, this flow there at the, the sepulcher and realizing she has some things that are very like, like my life. And, and when I go through despair and go through ups and downs, I can see myself in her, in her situation and the things that she's saying, the, the way she's talking to Jesus. But notice, notice how it says there in, in verse number 16, Jesus just cuts through it all. He cuts through the despair. He cuts through the anxiety. And he simply does it by whispering her name. 
How many of you need Jesus to just whisper your name? He makes himself known. Mary, I don't get the idea that he shouted her name. I don't get the idea that it came across in a hostile way. I imagine it was the most calming voice she had ever heard. Mary. And I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but this, this moment above many of the moments, Peter on the seashore of Galilee touches me, but this, 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 this really just touches me. She simply says, he simply says her name, cuts through all the despair. You know, people will spend a lot of money trying to get to the bottom of their despair and depression. Jesus, in a moment! Wow! Mary recognizes the voice, and I understand because John 10 and verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Listen, this morning, if this sounds absolutely foreign to you, perhaps you don't understand who Jesus is and you are not one of his sheep and you do not understand the blessedness of his voice. Where he can meet with you on a car ride, in the shower while you're singing, on the, on the side of the road with a flat tire, and he can meet with you with a simple whisper of his word into your heart. And you hear that and you're like, ah, everything's going to be all right. My Lord's still here. Brings me back to Psalm 23 and verse number 3. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. Do you remember back when we were preaching on live stream and going through Psalm 23? We looked at that that word restore, it has the idea to restore a cast sheep. What's a cast sheep? Sheep have this issue, they'll, they'll get too much wool on them and they, or too much weight and they'll, they'll roll over onto their back and they'll be on their back and they can't get up. And so they become cast. And without the help of the shepherd, they can't get up. It's a picture of a lot of people in despair. Without the help of the shepherd, there's no getting up. There's no coming out. There's no stepping out of that depression on your own. So she, she is, in a, in a very real sense, I, I can just picture Mary just completely decimated, standing there at the tomb, and she hears this from her shepherd, and her soul is restored. The Bible says in Psalm 42 and verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down? Can you identify with being cast down? You just do not feel like there's any earthly help that can help you up. I can't get out. I can't get beyond this. This is too great. I'm down. I'm done. I was listening to a song on the way in this morning. When answers aren't enough, there's Jesus. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within thee? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Jesus himself was the answer to her despair. It wasn't some new solution, a five-step plan. It was Jesus himself showing up in, in her life. And friend, you might be right there where you just need Jesus to show up in your life and, and, and he's ready to. He's not a God that's afar off. We don't serve Buddha today. Come on, friends. We don't serve a God that is vindictive. We don't serve a God that doesn't want a relationship with you. You serve the creator God that loves you and created you for a relationship with himself. And then you and I stepped away from him in our sinfulness. We severed the relationship and he sent his son back down into our world to become like us, to bring us back to himself and reconcile that relationship. What a savior we serve. And he wants this from you. He wants that. And when we get into that point where there's just so much despair and anxiety and depression, Jesus with himself just enters into our life. And he can do that through his word. He can do that through a, a, a spiritual song. How many times has your heart been touched by a spiritual song? Where it just ministered to you like nothing else could. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Oh, despair is heavy. 
It's really heavy. In fact, we live in a depressed society. You know that you know that suicide during this COVID has just skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. What is that? There's no hope here. There's no hope here. You know, there's some believers that have thought that. Some believers that I might as well just end my life. Wow. No hope here. You know, Jesus is the answer for that. For the lost man, Jesus is the answer. I can bring you out of that. I can give you hope. I can give you a new purpose. I can give you a new direction. I can begin working in your life. I can change all of this for you. But for the believer, that's our shepherd. He can do all those things and more for us. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heaven laden, and I will give you, what is it, church? (sighs) Can you imagine the place of rest that her heart found when she heard her name, Mary. Now, what does she respond? Rabboni. Master. You know, there's times in our lives where we've gotten away from our master. We've drifted from our shepherd. And we need to come back. And he whispers his, our name into our heart. And our greatest need is to respond to him as our master. I'll begin following you again. I'll obey you. We get all messed up when we don't. I'll open up your word and I'll start reading it again. This isn't about a checklist, friends. You've been coming to grace long enough to know this. Is, we, we're not interested in checklist Christianity where we, we read our Bibles just to show how special we are over someone else. Uh-uh. No. That type of Christianity doesn't get us anywhere. It allows us to beat one another down. That's not what we want. We're we're looking for a relationship with our wonderful Lord inside of these pages. And if that means you read one verse and you get touched by, by his voice, then stay there and stay there and stay there and respond to him as your master. If that takes you two chapters to get to there, You go, you read those two chapters, but you get with Jesus and you meet with him. You say, well, I'm not worthy. Listen, Mary is a person that was saved from seven devils. Did you have seven devils? Severe bondage, friends. Mary is a picture to us that it doesn't matter who you are, what you came from, what side of the tracks you came from. It doesn't matter. Jesus meets with ordinary people. He loves them. And so what does she get the privilege of now? Look at verse number 17. Jesus commissions a witness. Her life has changed. There's another song, and I I was enjoying this. We were playing it before the service. I've just seen Jesus, and the chorus ends this way, and I'll never be the same again. Well, that's the case for her. Never be the same again. Her first reaction was to embrace Jesus. Wouldn't you? What's your first reaction when you get to see him in heaven? And that'll give me a wonderful day. You know, he's going to bear the scars for all of eternity in his hands. He'll be the only body in heaven that's not perfect in that sense. A consistent reminder of his love for you and for me. And you're not beyond that love. He's already displayed it. Your name's already on that love. She loved him as she should. She embraced him. But when Jesus says in verse number 17, don't touch me not, he wasn't being nasty. Okay? The word touch here is clean. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I I think I would have clinged to Jesus a little bit. I think I would have wanted to hold on to him and stay there for a while. But Jesus had a task for her to do. And notice what he gives to her. But go to my brethren. Isn't that beautiful? Go to my brethren and say unto them, I, Jesus, ascend to the Father. My plan is still going on. I'm still building my church. 
The gates of hell have not prevailed. I'm still alive, and I'm still working in this world. I have not gotten off a mission. My mission is just beginning. Go tell my brethren. And when Jesus meets you and satisfies your deepest longing, brings you through the midst of despair, listen, he has a goal for your life. He does not comfort you so that you can be a container for comfort. He comforts you so you can be a conduit for that comfort to someone else. Someone else needs your experience to be shared. Someone else today needed Brother Betry to stand up and say, God has been merciful to me. God brought me through a time that I thought I was done. And so he gives her this, this commission. Isn't it great to work for Jesus? If you don't know that experience, I beg you to ask God. Meet with him. Say, let me serve you. And you know what? He, he already has. He's commissioned every one of us to be a witness of that. You say, well, I get so nervous when I'm so... Friends, just start telling people about your meeting with Jesus. Just tell them how precious it was to open up the word of God and for him to speak. Tell them how precious it was for you to go to church and it wasn't just a religious ritual for you, but God met with you. God changed your perspective. Who comfort us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, any trouble, any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. The way that you can be most used in another person's life is when you go through a trial and you go through despair and Jesus brings you out. There's some of you who need to share your stories with one another because there's other believers right in this room that need to hear how God is bringing you out. They need to hear about your meeting, that close meeting between you and Jesus Oh, I am amazed at the fact that Jesus meets us in our despair. He meets us in our shattered expectation. He meets us and he soothes our heart. He satisfies the deepest longing of our heart. He takes away the despair and he gives us joy in himself. That's our Jesus. He meets with us. There's a reason Jesus walked around after. He didn't just go right to the Father. There's a reason he spent time after the resurrection going and working with different individuals. And all along the journey, we're going to get to do that. But today we see he meets with this woman who loved him and he loved her. The world doesn't need believers to walk around full of despair. This convicts me, but they don't need us to go around regurgitating religious or conservative talking points the greatest influence we can have on this world is to be salt and light for Jesus Christ and to show them and to share with them our meeting with Jesus. And do you know what? God has a way of giving people the right perspective when they come to him. He has a way of changing the way they think about the world and their world perspective. You can't change it without Jesus. The world doesn't need us walking around full of despair. Oh, did you hear what happened in the news? Oh, goodness. And we all go there. We're tempted because we're human. What the world needs is people who are deeply satisfied in Jesus, in the living Savior. Do you know what the world, do you know what your workplace needs? Someone that will walk in on Monday morning rejoicing in our wonderful and risen Savior. Do you know what your family needs? Do you know what my family needs? Not someone just to preach it on Sunday, but to walk on Monday rejoicing in a wonderful and risen Savior. Austin Miles was a pharmacist. Any pharmacists here this morning? I know we have, I think, one that used to be, then one that's, you're training, right? Technician. You're close enough. Do you get to wear the coat? No? Man. That would be the whole, I mean, everyone wants the coat, right? But he was a pharmacist back in the 1800s. And uh, he came to this passage of scripture. And he's reading through as a, not as a preacher, but as a pharmacist. And uh, he came to that part about, Jesus whispering the, the name of Mary 
and her responding with Rabboni. And you know what he wrote down? Anyone know? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other can ever I don't know where you are this morning, but I know one thing, the story of Mary can change your life. Because that's not just for Mary, that's for you. See, I'm not struggling with despair. Maybe you're struggling with something else. But I'm telling you, meeting with Jesus makes it all right. That's not just motivational talk, that's real. You say, Pastor, I don't know that. I'd urge you to find a quiet place. Go walk to Elko Park. Go over to John Bryan State Park and walk some trails. Find a quiet place away from the noise. Turn off the phone. Turn off the news. Go get a meeting with Jesus. It'll do you well. It'll do you well. Put on some good Christian music. Allow the words of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus to to allow you to meet with him. Would you bow your heads and let's, let's talk to him. I, I don't pretend perhaps the Lord's meeting with you right now, but I don't pretend that everything that you need is going to happen in the next five minutes. I think some of you, I think all of us are going to need to set aside some time to go meet with Jesus. And maybe right now as you bow your head there, that you would say, by God's grace, even this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to have some time with Jesus. I'm going to step away from the family. I'm going to step away from, and I'm going to go get my Bible, and I'm going to read through this passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask Jesus to meet with me. I need to hear him whisper into my heart. Living in despair? Get to Jesus. But I want to also say this. You say, I don't have the strength. Jesus came to her. He did. You can depend on it. But she was interested in that. She was there at the tomb early. She was in the quiet place, in the place of solitude. She didn't run from it when she didn't understand. She stayed there. What's causing your despair? Maybe the bigger question that needs to be, who can solve my despair? Who can rescue me from this? It's Jesus. Maybe stop looking at what you think is the cause of your despair. Look at the solution to your despair. Is anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I'm not his sheep. I haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't know that He, I don't know that voice. I, I haven't heard that. I don't know it. I'm not His sheep. I don't know that when I die, I'll spend eternity with Him in His presence, being able to cling on to Him. I don't know that. I'm concerned about what happens after I die. Is there anyone like that this morning who, with an uplifted hand, and say, I don't know that? I don't have that confidence. I see that hand. You want to get it taken care of today? We want to help you. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. What I am going to ask you to do is if this is a serious issue to you, I am going to ask you to, to pause at the end of the service and allow us to help you. 
God has brought you to this moment and to this place. He's speaking to your heart right now. He's touched your heart. He wants to save you. He wants to give you the hope of eternal life. And it may be assurance you need or it may be salvation you need, but you need to get it settled today. Don't leave this place. Do not leave this place. Please don't. I beg you to leave this place without getting that solved. Anyone else? I'm not pointing you out. You see that? We want to help you. Anyone else? I don't know for certain. I, I don't know his voice. I'm struggling. Amen. I again ask, would you let us help you at the end of the service? Here's what I'm going to do. At the end of the service, I'll be up here. And I'll have some of, several of my deacons around where they're able. I can, I can put man with man, woman with woman. We can, we can get your questions answered this morning. You can leave here knowing. We'll open up the Bible. And we'll help you. I'm going to say, Pastor, right now, God specifically spoke to me as a believer. He specifically spoke to me. I identify with Mary, and I'm so thankful that he can whisper that name into my heart. I need that today. You say, that's me, Pastor, that's me. Amen. All right, are you going to plan some time? Are you going to take some time to talk to him today? And find that quiet moment? Anyone else say, God spoke to me specifically, not just in that. God spoke to me specifically this morning. That's, that's my testimony. I raised my hand to that. Praise the Lord. I'll give you a few more moments to pray. You can pray here at the front. You can pray right there in your seat. Maybe you'd like to bow before the Lord and you'd like to kneel. Right now would be a great time to do that right there at your seat. Just pray. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.